Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Welcome into another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Maderno. I'll be joined in a minute here by Ryan Oliver of the Hooping with Row podcast. But before we get to it, I just want to do a quick little Capital City Go-Go update. I think everybody's been saying that they've been uh, interested in hearing a little bit more about the Go-Go. And since no one else seems to cover them, just here's a little quick recap. So after winning their first two games at home, they've hit a little bit of a skid since then. They're three and three overall. Just got blown out by Maine, the Red Claws, which is sort of not ideal. It just looked like one of those games where they just kind of weren't there from the start. Nobody really made shots. Actually, Isaiah Todd had a reasonable game. They played two games against Maine, one one close. Again, had to make a comeback. But that's kind of been their theme. It's just like getting down early and then having to dig their way out. And three of those six games, they've done that. And the other three, well, two of them, they, they got close and weren't as lucky. And then this most recent game, like I said, was kind of a blowout. But Jordan Goodwin still leading the team with 20 points per game. The shooting has really cooled off. Unfortunately, he's down to about 30% from three. And, and that really is the swing skill from him. He's averaging seven and a half rebounds a game, three-ish assists, three and a half, something like that. So that's pretty good. He gets a ton of steals, almost three a game. Turnovers, not great. Almost a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio, but he really isn't a pure point guard for him. So it's going to be the other thing he kind of needs to develop over time. But he has a big athletic kind of combo guard. So if he can make shots, I think he's an NBA player at some point. Cassius Winston has, has come back and played the last four games. He's only started one of those games so far. Averaging 13 points, two rebounds, three assists, three and a half turnovers. So also a slightly negative assist to turnover ratio, which isn't uh, which isn't ideal from your point guard. He's averaging uh, one and a half made threes a game on about five attempts which is basically just a little over 25%, which is also not what you want to see. Probably the most balanced player in the roster so far has been Joel Ayayi, uh, averaging 12.5 points per game, six rebounds, six assists, and again, three turnovers. I think that's sort of been the story of their season. It's just sort of sloppy sloppy play and, and not really being able to get people in the right spots and set them out, you know, set everybody else up to be successful. But Ayayi is shooting a much better percentage than those guys, although on pretty limited volume. Uh, He's about 60% from the field, which is really great, whereas Cassius Winston's about 35% from the field. And Ayayi's about 38.5% from three, which you can live with. Uh, Jaime Eshenike, 11.7 points per game, 10.5 rebounds per game, almost two blocks a game, really good. The problem here is, again, field goal percentage, under 50% from the field for a traditional back-to-the-basket center, not really what you want to see. He is not a threat to space the floor in any way, shape, or form. So 
for him, he's got to have to be hyper-efficient around the rim to have any chance of being a real NBA player at any point. He's He's been good at the G League level at defending the rim. I don't know that he's athletic enough to have that translate to the NBA particularly well, but he is a big body. Maybe he could play some spot minutes. To me, he's sort of a best-case scenario on just Pasha Sneaks part two, unfortunately. The guy everybody, I think, wants to hear about is Isaiah Todd. So Todd averaging 11.5 points per game, about six rebounds, about one and a half assists, 1.2 blocks. He's been super versatile for them defensively. I've heard, you know, some, hey, he's Richard Lewis comparisons. And I don't know that it's that. I mean, I literally sat after two specific Wizards home games where he got shots up after and and the guy was just clanking free throws, clanking threes. It, It wasn't pretty. He has shot reasonably well in games as of late. He's about 34.5% from three on the season on about six attempts, but he's about 40% from the field, which is not, again, ideal for a guy who's six foot 10 and more athletic than just about half the people at least that guard him. So need him to be better. The other one that's sort of surprising that hasn't shot the ball, Jordan Shackle out of San Diego State on almost seven attempts per game. He's making about 25%, averaging about 11 points, four rebounds. That's about it for him. Uh, which is, again, not ideal. Greg Monroe come in and is averaging about seven and a half and seven and a half. Pretty effective, I guess, but again, not very efficient. So under 40% from the field for Greg Monroe, which is not what you want to see from a veteran, almost seven foot player in the G League. Kyrie Walker, been a little bit of a mixed bag, kind of inconsistent minutes, I would say at this point. For Walker, he's averaging about eight points a game, about two and a half rebounds, less than this uh, half an assist and 1.2 turnovers per game. Again, there's been moments. Like, there's some flashes there. Like, Kyrie has potential, clearly. But when you just don't play for two and a half years or whatever it's been, it's going to take you a while. And I've seen some complaints on Twitter about, you know, he's their best player. Why are they not giving him minutes and stuff like that? It's just, you got to be cautious like that. And it's teaching a guy high-level advanced concepts. They're trying to run and do the same things that the Wizards do. And they're going to try to hold them as accountable defensively And Todd runs around like a chicken with his head cut off sometimes, but he's switchable. He's been guy, you know, willing to challenge people to rim and be put on a poster if if that may be the case. So uh, you're just going to need to see more from from Kyrie as time goes on. And I think he'll do that. It seems like a really good, good dude and humble about it and, and looks to be working hard. So I think the minutes will come. He's only playing about 14 a game so far, but. You know, we'll just see. Again, it's only been six games. Uh, they play a 30-some game schedule, I want to say. I'd have to double-check that. Their next home game is Friday the 28th. Forget who they are playing, but they are back in the entertainment and sports arena. Games are, are affordable, good to take the family to. So something for you guys to consider. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's also get a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means, football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports betting action you need this Thanksgiving. So head on over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. All right. And with that, let's get to the actual meat of the podcast here, our Thanksgiving episode. 
All right, welcome back. I'm joined right now by Ryan Oliver, host of the Hoopin' with Row podcast. Ryan, you're one of my favorite people to do a podcast with, so I'm glad that uh, we made this work out. Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me. You know, I'm always happy to pod with you. You're my favorite person too, so let's get to it, man. I love it. Uh, so it's not as fun to do these after a loss, especially a loss that most people didn't want to be a loss. Like it's, you know, it's one thing if like the Warriors or the Nets beat you, like you can rationalize that. But I think everybody thinks that the Wizards are better than the Hornets. So it's one that they expected to win. It was a 109-103 loss. Again, kind of fell apart a little bit in the third quarter here. And it just, there was some weird stuff going on in this game. Like the Wizards out-rebounded the Hornets by 31, uh, but they couldn't make a shot. The Wizards finished nine of 36 from three. Charlotte finished 15 of 31 from three. But also Charlotte missed like 10 free throws too. So like it, the Wizards could have won this game if they made a few shots or the Hornets could have blown them out if they'd have made a few free throws. So like I, this was just a very weird one to kind of gauge. I just want to get your take on that game overall. Yeah, I definitely feel like it, it was a weird game because you would feel like if you won the rebounding advantage by that much, that would obviously give you uh, a significant advantage towards win winning the game. I felt like LaMelo Ball took over the game in a lot of ways. And obviously Terry Rozier had, I think, 32 points. So that was a big difference. Um, I feel like this is a game where uh, my frustrations with Bradley Beal kind of come out because I feel like you should be the best player on the floor in this situation. And to me, he was the third best player on the floor mm -hmm. after Lamelo, Rozier, and then Beal. And if you're going to be... You could make this, a case for fourth. I mean, Harold's really good in this game. Oh, oh yeah. To you're totally right about that. So Harold's, Harold's actually better than him too. So to me, it's unacceptable when you have guys that have never been to an all-star game being better than your all-star. Um, and it's not just he had an off night. This has kind of been the story of the season so far for Beal. And we've been winning as a team, mm -hmm. despite kind of a, a slump that he's been in shooting-wise. And as a lot of Wizards Twitter has talked about. This has kind of been a, a thing for Beal for a while now. His three-point shot has kind of escaped him. And uh, the team as a whole can't shoot, you know, consistently. I know Bertans is out, and that doesn't help. But, um, you know, it, it just kind of is a detriment when your team can't make an outside shot. And your star player, who is known for shooting, uh, at least he had been known for shooting, has really struggled. And to me, this is, you know... I know I'm not the biggest Beal guy, you know, out of the Wizards fan base. I really kind of cooled on him and I don't want to even be a Debbie Downer, but I just feel like these are the games that bother me a little bit because I'm like, this is the game we're at home where you got to step up and kind of when the team is uh, icy a little bit, you, we need you to step up and be that guy. And you can't be getting outplayed by, it's one thing to get outplayed by LaMelo because he's a really great player, but Rozier is hot and cold. You can't get outplayed by Rozier. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny, like, the defense was a little uh, less than stellar, you know, compared to how it had been, especially perimeter defense. They gave up a lot of like open threes too, especially right. to Rogier. I think he made eight and I would say at least half of them were without a defender within, you know, five or six. Oh, feet he was him. wide open. I mean, Terry Rozier is going to knock those in, especially if you let him make the first few, uh, he's going to keep knocking them in. You can't just leave them wide open. And a lot of them are just wide open shots to your point. Like you said, a streaky guy like that, uh, you, you just can't give him a chance to get in rhythm. Now, if Lamelo is going to hit a 35-footer or wherever he pulled up for from one of them, like, okay, you know, more more power to the guy. Yeah, the Beal's an interesting one. Like, I, I saw a lot of hate online for Daniel Gafford and how his hands are bad and he gets killed inside, which I still don't understand how people think that because there are no numbers to really point to that. And then it's been cool, like, it become trendy to just, like, trash Dinwiddie for everything here when, when they lose games. And, and I do have some stats that are not dinly, Dinwiddie favorable, I'd say. Uh, in wins, he's averaging 18 and a half. 
points, five and a half rebounds, 5.7 assists, 57% uh, true shooting percentage. And in losses, he's around nine, four and five with a 42% true shooting percentage. So like, you know, when he's bad, they do lose. Like you can't afford for him to be that bad, but I don't think Beal should be able to kind of escape this one scot-free. Like it looked like he was trending in the right direction. Uh, I want to say one of the Miami games, he was like particularly good. And then, you know, it's kind of an egg for the most part. Like he wasn't terrible in this game, I guess, but like he's, to your point, he didn't take it over. This wasn't the Boston game last year where he dropped 60 and tried to keep them alive single-handedly. So I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the ball. I don't know if it's all this stuff. Um, you know, what do you attribute Beal's sort of sluggish shooting, scoring start to? Well, I do think his form looks different than it has in past years. And I feel like a lot of times the shot is kind of he's pushing it almost. It, it doesn't seem fluid like it did uh, in past seasons. Uh, and I noticed that even during his high scoring seasons, that sometimes his shot, like in the past couple seasons, his shot mm-hmm. didn't look as fluid as it once did. Um, I don't know what to attribute that specifically to. This season, to me, he doesn't seem to have the same just comfort shooting the ball. It just looks different to me. I can't even fully explain it. And I don't know if I'm articulating myself well, but I feel like it just looks different. And, um, and it it just feels frustrating to me in this way, Matt, because he turns over the ball in big moments and he likes to play hero ball in big moments. And those are things that at times last year I attributed to Scott Brooks and in past years, okay, Scott Brooks doesn't really have them running sets and stuff, which is true. He he didn't have them running sets, (laughs) but um, with coach, uh, coach Unseld, I feel like the coaching's clearly been better, but some of the same, the same habits that Beal has have reared their ugly heads and the turn, the turnovers kill me. Like if you're going to be the big money, top 15 player, this, you can't keep doing it. You know, players are going to make mistakes. LeBron's turned the ball over. Curry's turned the ball over. Harden turns the ball over. KD sometimes too. Everyone does it if you're that type of player. But it just seems like every time Beal needs to make a big play, he does the dribble dribble and he loose handle, loses the ball, and it ends up being a, a big play for the other team. And that's just killer. And it's killer. And it's really frustrating as a fan because clearly that's not that to me, those are moments where Spencer Dinwiddie is actually probably yeah, a better yeah. a better bet because he seems to hit those clutch shots at a higher rate than Beal. And he seems to be more of a steady ball handler, less turnover prone than Beal, too. It's interesting. And I totally agree with you there. Like he just can't have the play where he dribbles off the side of his foot. Like what I'd be okay with the hero ball, to be honest. Like if he gets a shot up, at least it gives you an opportunity to rebound it and do something with it. Or if he was trying like too hard to force a pass and create a look for someone else, I could live with that too. But yeah. you, you just can't have like the sort of fully wasted possession. And Wes Unseld got asked about this post game a little bit and and said, you know, this is about not valuing possessions. And he said, it's not just the turnovers, but being disorganized and out of sync. When plays, quote, break down, we just stop and stand. And then he pointed to everybody else's effort in those situations. He said, we have to fight through the disease of me and fight through it. So there were a lot of like sort of subtexty shade throwing quotes from this game, which is why I really wanted to, to kind of break this one down. But you know, I'm not saying that's like directed at Beal directly or anything like that, but there, there is a lot of ball watching and that was a Scott Brooks thing. That's been a thing this year too. And 
you know, I, I don't know if that's just how you look next to a high usage player like Beal and, and until he can kind of create for somebody. I don't know if it's easier for Dinwiddie because they can't help off of Beal to like double him the way they seem to, you know, like collapse on Beal. Like it's just been, I don't know, it's been hard to watch, but I, I do think uh, whatever it is that, that Beal just has to be better. Like this is kind of that straightforward for a guy that that's said to earn as much money as he's said to earn. Like if you pay him like a top 10 guy, he has to be a little closer to a top 10 guy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I could go down a rabbit hole with the Beal contract situation. I know like you and I have discussed this in the past and I've, I've always been in the camp, especially in past years of trading him because I just don't see the, I don't see the top tier talent that's worth tying your cap down to like the $40 million plus contracts. I mean, we just saw what happened with wall. Beal doesn't have the same injury history um, as John wall does. And I'm look, I think you want to enjoy this, this great season so far that we've had. And so I'm not even trying to, trying to, you know, poo poo it or anything like that. I just think long-term the mistakes Beal makes in these situations just make me think, man, like tying him, tying down a super max contracts, tying so much of the cap up in this one guy, I don't see a transcendent player. Uh, I see a all-star, which is perfectly great. All-stars aren't easy to come by. So this isn't, this isn't to say that's not good enough. It's just to say, like, if you watch LaMelo, LaMelo affected the game in every way. He was he was uh, controlling the pace. He was rebounding. He had 13 rebounds. He was passing. He had seven assists. Uh, and he was scoring. He had 28 points. He affected the game in so many different ways that I feel like you could feel him, even when he was missing shots early in the game, you could feel his impact. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when Beal has, he'll have 25, five and five, and I don't always feel it. And, and sometimes that's the difference to me between a transcendent star and just a high-level all-star. And look, Beal is a high-level player, so this isn't a knock on Beal. I know Wizards fans are probably going to be coming for me for even saying this stuff. But I really just feel like if we're if Beal wants to be that guy, the all-NBA, super max type, he can't, he can't let games like what happened in Charlotte consistently happen, which they do happen quite often with the turnovers at the end, with kind of not taking over in those moments. And you can't be the fourth best player on the floor. And especially not after Terry Rozier and Montrezl Harrell, you know what I mean? I'm with you. I just think uh, it's about expectations or, or even what your goals are, right? So if you're trying to build an eventual championship level team, I just don't think you can do that if Beal is your best player, unless you get really lucky with like some guys on rookie deals that are like almost as good. Uh, you know, you can get a LaMelo ball on, on that kind of contract or something. But, you know, if you're just trying to build like a really solid team that can be a four through six, seven seed kind of as the as the cap, uh, I think that that's fine. And, and to be honest, based on what we've seen from Ted Leonsis, like I think that's going to be more than enough from him. So I don't think there's any scenario where they do trade Beal, uh, to be honest, like unless he came out and said, I'm definitely out of this place, which I don't think he'll do. But just just to your point about the money, uh, his five-year max next summer might be even larger than everybody expected. Looks right now like a five-year sort of max deal for Beal would be for 24.1, 24, 241, geez, 241.6 million. So it would start at 41.7 and go all the way up to 55 million by the 26, 27 season, which he'd have a player option for, but, and he'd be about 33 years old in that year. Correct. 
Uh, yeah, 33 or 34. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's Beal 28 now? So, I mean, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, he's he's he'd be mid 30s by that, and you're giving him 55 million dollars. So, I, I think this is one of the situations where, like, if you trade him from a good team, you'll never recoup enough value to do it. But if you keep him, you're hamstring. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't like the idea as much when they had another guy on a super max deal. I know Beals isn't technically a super max, but the equivalent of, uh, but I feel a little bit better about giving him 44 million when you have all the other guys on the deals they have. And you just have to be better about the deals on the fringes. Like you have to be able to yeah. get Harold back for a team friendly deal. You have to do something with the Bertans contract, whether he plays his way into recouping value for that, or you ship him out for parts. Like, I don't know. It just, your margin for error gets much smaller if you have Beal locked into this for for that amount of time. And Beal's been relatively healthy for the last several years, but this is a guy that had like leg and lower body injuries early in his career. So like, is he going to be able to do a LeBron and play till 40 at a high level? Like, I I don't know. Uh, So it's tough. Like, I'm not suggesting they trade him, uh, but I, I think we ride this out and we just enjoy the ride. I've enjoyed most of this season, but it is sort of worth talking out what that does for you long-term, I think. Well, let me say this. So I think that they missed the window to trade him. Yeah. uh, In my opinion, I was saying this, this is back when like Dwight Howard was on the team where I was really kind of beating the drum saying, okay, like we have this 26 year old star rising. He's only getting better. And this is before his like 30 point per game seasons, you know, that type of thing. And I, and I, I thought, you know, the Lakers were a team that, you know, this is back when they had like you know, ball and Ingram and, and heart and picks and stuff. I said, okay, um, look, I'm not saying we'd be in a better spot. I don't know. I would be lying to say, I, I'm sure we would be in a better spot or, or whatever. I just look at the situation and I think Beal is a, is a, is a very good, but not great player. I think that Agreed. most rational people objectively could agree on that, that he's not that uh, upper echelon elite player. I'm talking about the Kevin Durant, Kent, Kawhi yes, Leonard, right, right. Donis, LeBron tier of players. He's not in that tier. Now you could argue, you know, is he right below it? Let's say he's right below it. I get the perspective that some people have, and you see Wizards fans say this, well, you can't just, just trade him. And you know, there's no guarantee you could be stuck in purgatory like the Kings are for 15 years. And that's very, that's a fair valid point. Or like the Timberwolves where you have cat and you Mm -hmm. have nothing else and really going for you. You could definitely be in that situation, but I look at the team right now. What has led to our success of this team right now? Is, is it has it been having a high level star or has it been having a bunch of competent professional players that are well coached? It really hasn't been because of Beal that the team's been so, so successful this year. Now, does it help having Beal? Of course. Again, not saying it doesn't help. I'm saying the most important thing about a professional team that we're seeing, one of the most important things is having competent professionals that are. <laughs> that can play basketball adults like in having the a room. bunch of young you guys adults and, in the room yep. and bongas and you know these other like those aren't nba players having real nba players and a lot of them that's the reason the wizards have been so successful and they're well coached so to me look they're better with beal than without them not saying they're not but i just feel like looking back that if they had made that move uh and then you know maybe some of these moves like we've seen with wall and turning in the assets who knows what the team could look like right now we have no idea we could have a bunch of young stars mm-hmm. on the rise or we could not. You just don't know. But I think it's too far gone. And I definitely think we're on the path to paying Beal that big contract. And we kind of have to accept that for what it is. I enjoy 
enjoy having Beal in DC. I'm not trying to kick him out of DC. I just think that um that window was worth exploring more than the Wizards really did. And, you know, we're going to kind of be stuck with the, the max, you know, max contract for Beal Supermax. And we'll have to just see if they can make those moves on the fringes. How does Rui develop? How does Denny continue to develop? And some of these pieces around him. But the team has been so enjoyable this season that I'm not complaining. I just want to see some good basketball at this point. To, to your point, though, you've just you've put a cap naturally on how good a team can be if you lock that player into that much money. I think that's all we're saying. So everybody, if you have got your pitchfork ready right now and you're going to, you know, like riot on our houses for saying this, that that's not what we're saying. Hey, just, let me say this too real quick. I see people will pitch these like, oh, well, you know, what do you, do you think we could get Tatum in the future? Or like, do you think we could get, no, you know, cat no. or like, and I'm just like, what are our assets? I like Denny. I like Rui just as much as the next guy. And you know, I wasn't a big Denny guy at first. And I really turned, I've come around to really enjoy him as a young prospect. So this is, and could be a Kispert and, and that type of thing. But if I'm trading you cat, I need more than Rui, Denny and Kispert. Like I need some, all our picks for forever. Go with that. Yeah. So I just don't know how you, how you take that next step from, okay, we have Beal on a supermax. We have Dinwiddie as a complimentary, you know, maybe right. like high level role player, let's say, how do we, take that next step because for as good as Montrez Harrell is and his defense has been better. And I, mm-hmm. I really like Montrez Harrell. Yep. Montrez Harrell is a player that in the playoffs is going to be a whole different story. I'm telling you. And once we get to the playoffs and he's going against LaMelo ball every, you know, in a series, or he's going against, you know, Harden or somebody in a series, they are going to pick on him every single time in big moments. And mm-hmm. he's undersized and he's not going to be able to stay on the floor the same way. He might be serviceable on defense and he's playing well this season. Mm-hmm. I'll give him credit, but in the playoffs, it's a different animal. And I think that his size and lack of, I don't know, just rim protector skills comes in play in those settings. So I just wonder how you take that next step, like to your point, And I just don't see that next star that realistically could join in with the team and how we would take it to that next step besides being a mid 40 win team, most likely, because, you know, this team feels like a 45, 46 win team at at this juncture. I think the real thing that that's concerned to me about concerning is, again, too strong a word. But the thing you have to be mindful of with the Beal stuff is you've given him so much cachet with what you do. And Harold is his boy. If they lowball Harold and he's not back, how does Beal take that next year when KCP's up for his next deal and their boys? Like, I don't know. Do we end up with like overpays for some of these guys because these are the guys Beal wants and he has pull with what they try to do? So uh, those are all the things that I hope that they stand firm on. And here's our market that we can afford. Or, you know, if Ted is suddenly willing to go into the tax for some of these things, like, Okay, maybe that's a little bit of a different story. So anyway, these are all just things to be mindful of. It's a lot of money. There were some things that that Beal said that the, the only thing he does that actually really tweaks me, like I can live with missing shots. I don't even expect him to be like an all-world defender here. But the quote that he, he does in, in post-game sometimes where like guys need to play with more energy drives me batshit insane. Like we need to play with more energy is fine. Um but guys, like it just seems like there's some shade being thrown there. So uh, a couple quotes from Beal from this post game. He did say, at times we get complacent and we think we can flip the switch on and talked about how the offense gets stagnant and people ball watch. So it was largely what Wes Unseld said, but he threw in the words, you know, we get complacent. And 
They've said that a couple times already. If you're 11 and six and you haven't done shit for like multiple years, it's concerning to me that you think there's some switch you can flip. Like it's too early in the year for a team that hasn't done anything. And these guys have been good collectively because they've had a chip on their shoulder. So that doesn't really like line up with the, we get complacent mindset to me. Uh, that That's a big red flag. I think that we're saying that kind of shit this early in the year. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I definitely get tired of hearing that too. Um, you know, sometimes I honestly attribute some of the post-game quotes to like guys not knowing what to say about a loss. <laughs> right. I really do think that. Yeah, I think that right. sometimes, um, you know, I know you're you're like on these Zooms and stuff, uh, you know, as a member of the media, but sometimes when I hear these these post-game quotes, I think, some, did, did Beal just not know what to say here? Yeah. Like, because it does get tired when you hear, when you hear the same thing like year after year when like after losses like guys need to play harder or, you know this someone or coaching him on like the PR team side like maybe don't say guys like I don't know I would well, I would think that'd the, be something they'd steer him away from this is the same guy that like did the super anti-vax uh a good you point. know commentary so I uh, he's kind of lost me with any expectation of like PR, PR savvy yeah. you know PR savvy yeah. it's clearly like that wasn't ideal um but I feel like sometimes guys just don't know what to say about a loss. Like, Hey, we came out flat tonight. And then, you know, it's like, Oh, well, you know, guys didn't have energy and, and this and that. It's like, what I would like to hear from Beal is I'm the head of the snake and I didn't have the proper energy. And, you know, the guys, you know, maybe fed off of my lack of energy and I could do a better job of getting them going. I think, I think as a star player, um, you know, one thing I always liked about John Wall is John Wall would like face the media. He didn't know he would always speak his mind. That wasn't always to the, to the Westbrook uh, did that last year too, to be fair. Yeah, like he yeah. always kind of took that. I I can appreciate that when the star player faces the media and will take accountability or or just tell us the truth, you know, to, about what what's actually going on. I think Beal could use some of that, even if it wasn't really your fault. Damian Lillard will do this too. He'll he'll say, you know, well, I, I'm the leader of the team, so I didn't do enough. Clearly, you know, that's why we lost. Or, or mm-hmm. even when you look at the box score and he had like 40 points and no one else did anything. <laughs> if, if I had 50, we'd have won. Yeah, right. So I think that Beal could could take some of that and and just say, hey, like you know, we didn't have the energy, but I, you know, I'm the head of the snake, and that and that responsibility falls on me. But to your point about they had a chip on their shoulder, their shoulder, and that sense of urgency they played with, and that has led to their success. I agree, and we've heard that complacency thing a couple of times now. Like after the Brooklyn lo- Brooklyn loss, that was a thing, and you could tell they did look kind of lack of energy, lethargic, and you wonder. Barto, same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and you wonder what you know what um, contributes to that feeling because West doesn't seem like the type that would tolerate that. Like Scott yeah. Brooks seemed really passive, but West mm-hmm. doesn't. I don't get that vibe from him. Uh, I think look. I think teams have off nights. I think in Charlotte they just dropped the rope, and I think that Charlotte's one of those teams where if you get if you let Lamelo Ball get going and he gets that confidence in the shot to like that's falling, it just you know catapults the rest of his game. He's already going to rebound. He's already going to pass. Uh, same with Rozier. He saw he had like he had at least six wide open threes, and he mm-hmm. made he had like six wide open ones, and he made a bunch. And if you let guys like that get hot, I think that it just snowballs into okay. Now we're behind the eight ball. Now we got to try to come back. And then the comeback ends up, you end up expending so much energy just trying to draw the game close that, you know, you end up losing in the end. Uh, but I, I think the accountability needs to be there about from Beal. And I think that sometimes you can just say like, look, we had an off night. Like we didn't yeah, play we well in that have. third quarter. Yeah. I don't know why guys can't just say that. Sometimes it's honestly that simple in playing that, you know, maybe, you know, I know Wes said they got out coached. Uh, that's honest and that's transparent, mm-hmm. you know. 
Um, it, and I think that's refreshing to hear that because sometimes that is just the, the God's honest truth. Like, you know, James Borrego, uh, Hornets coach, he outcoached me tonight. Like, and that's on me. Like I gotta be better for my guys. And I think as a, um, as a fan base, I can respect honest. It just can't keep happening. Can't keep happening, but I can respect the honesty because it's going to happen from time to time. 82 games a year. You're not going to make better adjustments than the other professional coach that you play of a, a soon to be playoff team. So I, I I'm with you. I do think it's a bit of a, like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Like if they say like, yeah, we were just like, we didn't have it tonight, then we're probably sitting here being like, well, why didn't they have it? Like, so, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I think there's some of that, um, you know, Beal did talk about how they have to be more consistent, not dig themselves into a hole. He put that on the starters specifically. And he said that it's, it's an energy drain for them when they have to keep making these comebacks. And, and Harold said kind of the same thing about how they get into a mindset of like, we get down and then we think we have to make it all back on one possession. And that leads to some of this hero ball. And, and I thought that was like a very relevant point because there are a lot of times we're like, okay, they're down 10. And now all of a sudden they just shoot three after three after three. And it's like, okay, like maybe chip away at a little bit, maybe keep feeding the ball into the post. some. Uh, so, so I, I do give them a little bit of a break. And and you made a great point there too, Ryan, about like, sometimes you're just not going to have it, like going to have it for a game. And I think that's something we forget sometimes, like these are people and, and two things kind of stand out. Beal said after that Miami game in Miami, that they didn't get into Miami until 6am. And that was after, you know, the beginning of a back-to-back in Charlotte. So they played a game got in like in the middle, basically the next morning and then played a game again that night. And they looked flat at that game in Miami and that's going to happen. Like sometimes that, that stuff plays into it and yeah, you're pro players or whatever, but like you're still a human being with a certain amount of energy available to you. And, and sometimes it's not going to be there. And I think the other thing is these guys, like it's human nature to be frustrated if you're routinely missing shots that have been good shots for you. Right. So like, I'm not talking about like Beal being a little worse than he used to be at three, but like everyone on the team's percentage pretty much is down and they're getting a lot of open looks and they're clanking them. I like, I get it. Like sometimes you're just going to throw your palms up and be like, what the hell, why can't I make that? And that's going to be frustrating to you. So I don't even know if it's so much like laziness or ball watching, but um, you know, it's something they got to fight through, but I, I understand that some nights that shit gets the best of you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all in all, the team has is, is played well this year. You yeah. know, it's not nothing is going to be perfect. And if we're honest, they don't really have a ton of elite offensive talent. They have mm-hmm. a bunch of very good. I mean, yeah, I solid. think Bales are very good and then solid all around. But it's not like we have Kevin Durant and James Harden and the <sighs> offense is 20th. And you're like, how how can we be 20th when we exactly. have these two top, you know, seven players or whatever you want to say Harden is. Katie's obviously top two. But, um, you know, if we don't have these, you know. I think that the fact that they have, um, I know the offense hasn't been great, but it's competent. And then they have a high level defense, which is a been a surprise. I think that if before the season, you know, they told us, Hey, we're going to be, you know, a top five team right now in the conference, we're going to be, yeah, we'd all take it. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know, like 18th on offense or whatever they are in, in fifth on defense. I think we'd all be like, oh, okay, like <laughs> sign me up right now for that. For sure. That seems solid. So I think that fans, I think when you, uh, when you get a little success early, I think fans get a little bit like, okay, like we're going to be the one seed now. Or we're like, the best team ever. I think that um, 
honestly, before the season, I honestly felt like they were going to be somewhere between, I thought their range was anywhere from 34 wins to 48. Like I thought they could be anywhere in that range and I wouldn't have been surprised. I I think I personally lean more towards about 500, Mm -hmm. but I felt like they would, they could be anywhere in there. And I still think if I'm being honest, they're more of a 45 win team than a 50 win team. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I think there's been some situations where they've, you know, won a game that we kind of got lucky on or came back and made a few big shots that could easily have not gone in or, or whatever, but um, it's been exciting. So I think that we have to, some night you're going to have nights that are frustrating, like the Hornets, and you're going to have nights that are exhilarating, like the heat win. I think it's just the nature of, of this team, but Hey, at least they compete. And like, that's a big step forward. I'll take this. I'll take a whole season of this, even if it's a whole season of the Hornets game over what we saw the last like two years, basically. I just, Absolutely. I appreciate that style of play better. Just a, a couple more numbers here. They're 20th in points per game, fifth in points per game, uh, paint points per game, which is great. And, and does speak to people, you know, banging the drum for them to keep pounding the ball in the paint. I get it to that point. It's one thing to say they need more paint touches, but also, if you're saying they should stop shooting threes, that's an idiotic take. Um, yeah. Every NBA offense is built around creating good open threes. And if you've got a guy that's a career 38% three-point shooter and he's just missing them all, it doesn't mean that you didn't still create a good look for him. Eventually, those will go in. It will normalize. So like that, we got to calm down on too. Uh, I, I do want to see them run a little bit more. They're last in fast break points per game. Like I think we maybe went a little too far in the pace department too. And uh, I, I think both Unseld and Beal pointed to that, getting themselves some easy shots and, and things like that to kind of grease the skids on offense, put pressure on a defense. 12th in field goal percentage, 25th in three-point field goal percentage, 11th in free throw percentage, 9th in assisted turnover, uh, and then you know, 10th in rebounds, 13th in assists, like, you know, they're middle on the, like better than middle of the pack on some, but if, if you're fringe top 10 in a lot of categories and you're just not making open threes, like eventually that figures it out and, and you become a better team because of it. Uh, but, but just one other thing to throw in there that I thought was interesting from Beal. He said, look, the biggest adjustment when you have a new roster and a new coaching staff is always going to come on the offensive end. Figuring out offensive tendencies, getting used to each other. It's just not where we want it to be. It's a work in progress, but it could be worse. And says that everyone is trying their best to figure it out on the fly. Like, I think that's an honest, real take. And that's the kind of stuff I want to hear. Like, hey, calm down. We're getting there. We didn't have time to focus on offense in the preseason. We worked on defense. That clearly worked out. So just have faith that we'll figure the offensive stuff out too. Like, I'm, I'm very okay with that. Yeah, I think that that's an honest assessment of where things are at. And that's kind of where things are at when when you watch, when you watch, it kind of seems mm-hmm. to be true. I think sometimes we see these glimpses of a really hot, like competent, really good offense. And I think yep. other times you see not, I think the pace is something that I think is really important. Uh, one thing that I would like to see is I feel like I want to see Gafford get utilized more in like the pick and roll situations. And like, I, I think that, you know, it, he doesn't play as many minutes as I was hoping he'd play this year. He's around 20 minutes a game. And I, I know his foul trouble can be a thing. And mm-hmm. Harold's played so well that you obviously want to, like if Harold's going to play like a, you know, a top 30 player, let's just say, like you obviously want to give him minutes and that's obviously, and they can't play together. So that obviously makes sense. But I think that long-term Gafford is the guy that you're still developing here. Like, yes, they need to win. 
but it's important for Gafford, Rui, when he gets back, Denny, Kispert to get these reps. And I've even seen people talking about Kispert, like, oh, you shouldn't be in the rotation. You shouldn't play like he's not ready. And I agree that he's maybe not totally ready. But you I don't get him ready. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, if you watch Kispert, a lot of his mistakes are clearly like he's overthinking mm-hmm. about what he's about to do. Like he catches the ball and instead of just shooting it, like he's like around three times, yeah. it's like, he's like, oh, okay, like, should I shoot? Should I not? It's like, bro, just shoot the ball. Like you're not shooting it well right now, but this is what you do. Like, mm-hmm. and then, but he has good instincts. He'll catch the ball. He'll put it on the floor. He'll make, you know, try to make a play. I'm like, well, he needs these reps. If he's not going to play at the go with the go-go, like clearly that hasn't been a thing yet. He needs to get these reps. I'm not mad at them running him out there for 10 minutes a night. Like yeah, I, 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 we, there needs to be a line toad here between development and trying to win. And Gafford needs those reps too. I really would like to see his minutes get up to around 25, 26, um, you know, more of an even split with, uh, with Harold, because I think that going forward, Gafford's a better defender and they need to unlock his, the, the pick, the pick and roll chemistry with him and Beal with him and, um, Dinwiddie. Him and Dinwiddie, even him and Advia, they need to unlock yeah. that for for long term throughout the season. So that's something I would like to see, um, some development in that department. And also, I like to see some different lineups, like in terms of, um, or I shouldn't say different. I should say, I'd like to see them go like five small with Advia and Kuzma more. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see them play Advia and um and Kuzma at the three and the four more. I just would like to see Adia get more minutes because him being an elite defender and I like to see what he could do more as a facilitator on offense and letting Beal and Dinwiddie play off him. So I think there's just a lot of room for the offense to evolve. I know I just kind of hijacked that to what I would like to see, but uh, I I think there's, there's a lot of ways that they can go. And I'm excited to see how they continue to develop because the team's just been enjoyable to watch as a whole. And I, that's a giant step forward. And I think there's a lot of intricacies to the offense and the defense that we could see going forward, especially when they get Bertans and Rui, and I guess even Thomas Bryant back too. Yeah. None of this is intended to be negative for anybody, by the way, this is a, they've been really good. Here's how they could be better. Right. And I, I think what you said about Gafford is, is such a great point because I've seen a lot of people like get this bum out of here. He can't catch. And like, this guy went from playing seven minutes a game in Chicago one year ago to now where our expectation of him is that he's like a 15 and 10 guy with three blocks every game. Like, that's just not realistic. He's 24, I think, maybe 25 by now. Like, there's a lot of room to grow. He doesn't have like a ton of NBA mileage. Like, he should he should continue to get better. The, the conditioning needs to get better. The foul rate needs to get better. But early in the year, like there were a lot of attempts and some of them very unsuccessful, but Dinwiddie was trying to do pick and rolls and throw lobs to Gafford. And like, I haven't seen them try to do much of that the last couple of games to your point, like the vertical spacing would even help them, but they've sort of gone away from that. So all things, they're going to try a bunch of different stuff. I hope they come back to some of those things. And, and another really good point by you, Ryan, like, I, I think the versatility of this roster is, is probably one of the best things it has going for it. So throw some weird looks at people and make them adjust to you for a change, especially when Rui comes back. I would love to see a Denny Rui Kuzma front court and just be weird and switchy and like, you know, match up with us now, like chase us down the floor and just run super fast with that group and like let a traditional big try to keep up because Kuzma has been good enough defensively against other yep. bigs that I think he could do it. I was just going to say to that point with that Rui Kuzma Denny lineup is I think 
Denny and Kuz have been good enough defensively that you could justify that. And they've been rebounding at a level mm-hmm. that's good enough to justify that. Like Denny's like proven to be a pretty good rebounder. And obviously Kuzma's having like a career year rebounding the ball, like eight or nine a game. Um, so to that point, Rui, you know, obviously isn't always a great rebounder. So I think maybe they could make up the difference there, but I definitely want to see that going forward. Cause I think when we get to the playoffs, you know, knock on wood, if things trend the way they're going, you're going to see teams go small and Harold and Gafford honestly might not get a ton of minutes. Um, no, look, they'll, they'll play. Don't get me wrong, but sure. like you're going to 35. Yeah. In a playoff game, yeah, they're not going to be exactly. So you're going to have to run those lineups where Kuzin's playing the five or Denny's at the five, whoever you want to say is the five. And you kind of have that, that quickness. But what I like about that is any of those guys could get the ball and push up court. And we've seen what Denny can do as a facilitator. And I would really want to see that more. Like I really, you get these glimpses of Denny on offense where you're just like, okay, like this is the guy that was the playmaking for mm-hmm. that, you know, was, was, um, you know, touted as, as a, in the, in the draft process. Um, and you know, I, like we actually did a, a mock draft, Matt, and you, you picked him. I remember he was a, got the best guy available at nine. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't see it, but I see these glimpses now. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this is the guy that they were, that, that they were talking about. And you see, I mean, but his defense has just been so like absurd that and the rebounding has been a lot better too. Yeah. And it's just been so exciting. But what the most exciting thing is to me is when he gets the ball in the post and then finds somebody and I'm like, okay, like that's, that's something I really think that, that going forward, we could see. Um, and to the point about Gafford's age, he's only 23. Like people need to pump the brakes. Like I just looked up his age as we're on here. He need, you need to pump the brakes. Like he's going to have ups and downs because yeah, that's even, even do. more than I thought I was just like leaning toward 25, like 23 is nothing. You're basically he was a, a sophomore. He was a second round pick. He was a 38th pick in the draft. Like this is a guy that's exceeded expectations for his career already. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was not even playing in Chicago a year ago to your point. He's a, a, an amazing find. And I think you, we got to be patient with him. He's going to have games where he has the 20 and nine rebounds and two blocks or whatever it was that, that, that one big game he had a couple games ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's going to have games where it doesn't look as great. Uh, I think that people just have to realize that this is a 23 year old player. And just like Rui and Denny and Kispert, like he's developing just, I think people think because he wasn't uh, a homegrown draft pick, like we didn't pick him that, you know, it's, it's like, oh, he should be a, you know, it's like, he's learning on the job, how to defend, how to, you know, be competent in the offense. Uh, so he's going to continue to evolve. And I think he's going to be fine. You know, is he going to be an all-star? No, but I think he'll be a, like a good level starting center. We've had multiple former wizard centers on the show. Talk about how it took them until at least their third, if not fourth season to understand how to try to anchor an NBA defense. So, yeah, I mean, he is in his whatever fourth season at this point, right? Uh, I mean, but he's barely played in some of them. So let's give him a little bit more room there before we're willing to like throw him out, uh, you know, as like a lost cause and hate on the extension. Like, I don't know, give him more time with Wes Unseld. Like, yeah. I think Wes has shown that he he can actually help beef up what a guy can bring to the table. So all really good points. I, at some point this season, if we ever get a Dinwiddie, Bertans, Rui, Hachimura, Kuzma lineup, uh, Ravdia, Hachimura, um, Kuzma lineup, I'll be a very happy man. I just, I, Larry made a point last week about like, it's a copycat league. So sometimes it's really good to zig when other people zag. So if you can just throw some weird shit out there and make them adjust to you for a change, uh, I think that's to our benefit and it makes you harder to scout and you've shown these different looks that now people have to at least be somewhat prepared for. So it gives you, um, you know, more unpredictability, but 
look, they were four and 12 at this point last season. I mean, this is, this is literally best case scenario. So I'm totally good with it. Uh, Ryan, just pivoting here a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things I wanted to do with this one is keep it a little bit kind of corny and light and positive and, and finish on a closed, you know, I'll close on a good note here. Um, it's Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners here. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, but let's do three things that we're thankful for, whether it's about this team, these, any of the players or just this season and this experience overall. So uh, I will start us out if that's okay with you. I'm going to say Montrez Harrell is the thing that I am most thankful for on this roster, to be honest. He's he's fun to watch. People just love energy. It's clear he's like the fan favorite in the building for these games because every time he does anything or he shakes the rim on a dunk, people lose their shit. He's fourth in the NBA in win shares and first in individual offensive rating. I mean, that's that's insane. Like insane. So uh, kudos to Montrez. A couple things like he's another guy that's like amazing post game. Uh, he talked about like his rebounding prowess is all about will and passion and something he really takes pride in. Like, I just love everything about the dude and his attitude. So I am thankful for Montres. Absolutely. When when that trade went through, obviously, the, the trade with the Lakers for Russell Westbrook, he was the piece I was most excited about. And I even saw people. I remember people were kind of like, oh, should we move Harold to a, a third team yeah. or like should we? And I was thinking. Have you guys watched us the past few seasons? He's exactly what the team needs. You need a guy that gives a shit off the bench. Like mm-hmm. he's going to come in, he's going to play his ass off and he's going to outplay other, uh, other like bench lineups. So he's just going to feast in those minutes. Like he did, a, you know, when, when he was on the Clippers and like his six, you know, six man of the year year, he, that's all he did. He just took advantage of like a bad defense, you know, bad bench players and just, and just dogged him. And, and so he's even doing against, you know, obviously he's playing a lot of minutes. He's playing against starters too, but it's just that energy and it's so infectious on the team and the crowd feeds off, feeds off it. So it just allows for this feeling of, of energy to shoot through the building too, especially on home games. You need a player like that. You need a fan favorite. You need a, a person that really energizes the fan base and is exciting because he plays so hard. And I really think that that's what makes Montrezl Harrell such a, a joy to have on the team. So I'm thankful for him too. Uh, do you want to go next? Yes. Um, so I have here the progress that Denny Adria has made in his game. Um, I'll, I got a couple of stats too. This is from stat stat muse. This is opponents are shooting 34.9% when guarded by Denny. That's the lowest mark in the league by any player with 150 shots defended. Um, so he's just killing it. I mean, there was a play, uh, I think it was guarding Gordon Hayward, I believe last game where Hayward did his normal little moves and Denny like just kept his hands up. He had a great footwork. I mean, he was with him the whole way. And then Hayward tried to go like under him and he blocked him. And I was just like, I literally had my, like my jaw open. I was like, wow, like that is some really disciplined defense. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who he got in the lab with this, this, uh, off season. I know he was recovering from his injury too. So like, I almost wasn't expecting the progress he's made, but he's taken like such big strides to looking like lost almost sometimes last year on defense to really becoming a lockdown wing defender. And like, Lord knows the wizards have needed a lockdown wing defender for Forever. a long time. And now we have uh KCP who's, I don't know if he's locked down, but he's a very good defender. Pretty good. Yeah. And who's most pretty good. Mm-hmm. And now we have Denny who like literally, I mean, he's putting the clamps and those stats don't lie. He's putting the clamps on, um, 
you know, really good players like uh, Gordon Hayward and, and other players like that who feel like they can attack him. He just, you know, anyway, I'm rambling. I'm just really excited about um, the progress he's made. I'm thankful for that. It's like somebody made him do the drill in the offseason where you have to defend somebody with your hands in your pockets the whole time because, like, the moving the feed and the positioning has been been unreal. Question on that. Did StatMuse find some way to also throw shade at Russell Westbrook while making that tweet? Oh, man. StatMuse has really got a bone to pick with Russell Westbrook. I see a lot of people defending, you know, defending it like, oh, you guys got an agenda and this and that. I'm not going to lie. I find it a bit comical. Yeah. Um, but I... You know, I've been deemed as a as a Russ hater. This the Russ stands have been in my mentions so many times at this point that I just stopped tweeting about them. But um, but yeah, <laughs> I find joy in it. It's funny to me. I guess it's because I'm still bitter about like all the times where he had a triple double last season and people were like, oh, he had a triple double and like we lost by 15. I'm like, I don't care. My problem was never with Russ, it was certain people's handling of him and his production you know and 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 hearing triple double alert on the broadcast a thousand times oh boy uh all right so the next one i got here is just and i've said this like a million times on the show over the last two months so apologies to everybody for being a broken record but i can't emphasize this enough what just like good interesting guys they all seem like like Dinwiddie had the thing where he was like advertising like the vegan water the other you know like vegans like drinks and and like just I got it just he's funny to listen to and it's unique stuff that you're not used to hearing the Brad Beal Montrez Harrell like tag team post games are always hysterical uh when whatever a media member the other night asked KCP about the Lakers being a failure and he just like laughed about it it's like, they're people again they're interesting people and they don't seem like dicks and that just makes it so much better for me to like enjoy and root for yeah, that's actually something I have here too. Um, just an enjoyable team. Um, I, f- I find the team like fun to root for. I felt like last year's team for a bunch of reasons, not just Russ for people think I'm hating for that's a, a lot of group. reasons. I found the, the team not that enjoyable. And I mean, if you look back to past years, I felt like the last couple like John Wall years were just a slog and it, like, not blaming John Wall. I'm a big John Wall fan. It just, it wasn't enjoyable as a fan. I felt like the last real season that was enjoyable was the season uh, where they won, won 49 games, uh, Scott Brooks' first year, mm-hmm. I think. Was that 14-15 with Ariza and company or the year after? I think it was the year – no, I think it was the year after Ariza when they had Otto and Otto had his best yeah. year and then got the next year after that, um, if I'm remembering correctly. And I, I thought that year was a lot of fun because the team just overachieved yeah. um, from expectation. And I feel like it's always fun when you, you, know, you kind of overachieve. Like this year – them, you know, getting off to such a good start. Like even if you had asked me with any point, would they be the number one team in the conference? I mean, even at like two and oh, like I probably wouldn't like, nah. <laughs> and um, to, to even, you know, be in the top five at this point is like, okay, like this is fun. Like I can watch every night. I've, you know, last year felt like a chore to watch, you know, I didn't enjoy it. Um, and this year it's, it's been really fun just having a, a bunch of guys. I like the Harold chip on the shoulder. I like watching the young guys develop and you see Denny making the progress and you see, you know, when Kisper finally hits a shot, like, okay, maybe it's coming around or, or, or that type of thing. Even seeing Gafford make his strides. So having an enjoyable team is like, I mean, you see the arenas popping for the first time in a while. So it's popping with way less people too, like, uh, which is crazy. I mean, obviously I think a lot of COVID implications there, but 
that that 14,000 sounds a lot louder than the last time they had 21,000 to me, at least. Uh, all right. The next one I have is just the capital city go-go and the fact that they actually use them. Like we might not have lottery picks again here for a while, which is actually like, I don't know, someone that likes the draft is disappointing, but as someone who wants a good team, it's amazing. So the fact that they have somewhere where like they can groom potential, you know, future Wizards prospects is awesome. I love seeing what like Todd looks like from game to game. It's just very exciting to me personally. And it's been a mixed bag, but I don't know. It, it's just like something fun. And, and to your last point about like, you have like some hope for them. And when they do something good, like you get excited about it. So um, that that's another one that I am thankful for. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm thankful for that too. Um, I want to say this, like, can we, campaign for the capital city go-go just to be the name of the actual wizard <laughs> franchise because that name is so much more endearing to the city and like what is a washington wizard anyway this is a whole tangent i know i'm about to go on but okay. anyway i'll make it short i just feel like the capital city go-go is actually like a really cool name and they did a good job why can't that just be the name of the let's make the g league team the wizards or something and let's make the the big team the go-go and like, like actually embrace something that's you know um that says something about our city, which is go-go music. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that was a cool name. Mm -hmm. And I look back, I'm like, how did they land on the wizards? <laughs> what is a wizard for Washington? Anyway. For, for anyone that doesn't remember, the top three fan vote choices were wizards, dragons, and sea dogs. So of the three, I actually that, prefer wizards of the three. What? Is that factual? Yeah. Yeah, that's the top three. Wait, dragons? Yeah, and the other one was like, I, I, someone will remember this. I hope you please hear this and tweet us. But <laughs> I want to say the fourth one was like the Express or something. You know, like it was just something also kind of oh like, eh. So those oh, are some bad. I didn't even know that. That those are terrible. Yeah. All of them. The Wizards, I guess, is the best of that group. But the Capital City Go Go is actually like a cool name. And when I remember when I saw that name, like when they revealed it a couple of years ago, I was like, wow, like that's actually like whoever thought of that, like Bravo, like that's a cool name capital city and go 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 together it's yep. that's so much cooler anyway i'm thankful for that let me ask you this about the go go how's kyrie walker look uh it's funny like right before we got on here i did like a two minute here's your go go update and it's interesting like he looked pretty okay in game one okay. and just totally coasted in like eight minutes in game two and then they pulled him and never put him back in so it's been like again kind of up and down i said todd's been a mixed bag but even more so with walker like he just doesn't look like he understands where he's supposed to fit in yet. And it just seems like a total byproduct of, I have not played meaningful games in a team environment in a very long time. So right. I think there's enough flashes there to be like excited. And he seems to be, I think trending in the right direction, but he's averaging like eight points and three rebounds or something like that. in like 14 minutes. Is he a wing or is he a, a, a big, a big, like, I don't, I know, I know he's like, was like a kind of a, high school like phenomenon type guy sure. but like i don't never really knew what he was supposed to be good at like what was, so, what's his claim to fame so he was six five coming into high school and he said he's grown to about six seven doesn't really look like that like he doesn't look considerably bigger than like joel ai who was like six four okay. uh but he's solid like he's a thick dude i think he's like yeah. a powerful jumper and that was probably the thing like you know, as a six, four freshman in high school or whatever he was, he probably just like physically overpowered a lot of people, but, uh, he's a wing, uh, but he's not a great shooter yet. Uh, he's thrown a couple like 
crafty passes. So maybe he's got some vision there. And I think right. they talked a lot about them like working on his passing, but the, the shooting has got to be better. I mean, just, it looked kind of like hitchy still, or I don't know, kind of wonky, but I don't know. He, he seems like a nice, humble, humble young man. So I almost called him a kid, which I, I try not to do, but he is a lot younger than me. So to me, he's a kid, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think he'll be interesting to see where he goes. I, I think it is probably to his benefit that they didn't give him a two-way out of the gate because the expectations would be really high, but there's been some flashes. That's what I would say. That's good. I guess that's all you can ask of, you know, that type of thing for, for yep. the go-go's. So that's exciting too. Um, my last thing that I had was, um, a team that plays defense. Uh, it's just been enjoyable to have a team that doesn't just yep. give up points so easily. Like the past, you know, few seasons, it's just like the team is in the bottom or like mid twenties or whatever in defense. And it was unenjoyable because no one could defend or no one tried. And it's enjoyable to see Beal try on defense and really kind of like take pride in that and to have guys that take it serious. I mean, look, if you want to be a better defensive team, you need better defensive players. And that's one of the reasons why like, you know, I had advocated like even like them signing Tory Craig last year. Like, oh, look, that we need to get Tory Craig if we can. And people were like, well, yeah. what's up? Like, he plays defense. Like, you just got to have competent defenders out on the floor if you want to have a competent defense. Um, you can't have everyone be like a cone, a traffic cone, and expect it to be any good. So it's nice sure. to have the KCPs and the Kuzmas and Denny take the strides and Gafford because you have guys that really care. And I think when you have guys that care and it's been taught, it's being taught and preached you get effort from guys that aren't always great defenders like Montrez Harrell who clearly is clearly making an effort to say all right like this hasn't been my strength but like let me at least make a really strong effort to be a good defender and it's translated to like solid defense he's done a mm-hmm. good job this season you got to give him credit for that um so that, that's really it you know for me those are my three things it's uh Denny's progress an enjoyable team and a team that plays defense those are amazing. I think everyone would or should agree with those uh, because it is the holiday here. And I, I am sort of in an extra jolly mood. I'm going to be like super corny to finish it out. I'm I'm like grateful for our fan base because like it drives me nuts sometimes when people are like Gafford had one bad game, cut him, wave him or <laughs> Avdia can't make a layup. We got to get rid of him. Like we do overreact to things, uh, but I get why we do it. We've been sort of a, uh, a tortured fan base. I don't know for yeah. a very long time. And, uh, you know, that, that, that stuff adds up and, and we deserve to have like this kind of team, I think, because you see all these polls who has the best fan bases in the NBA and shit. And the wizards are never listed in the top 10 <laughs> and we're kind of slept on because attendance or whatever, but the people that do care, care a lot. And even if I think we maybe care too much, sometimes I'm still thankful for that. And I think it'll be so much sweeter when this team actually like wins something meaningful. Now you can sort of, it's a relative term, what meaningful is, but you know, if this team is like competitive for an Eastern conference finals, like two years from now, like this, this fan base and the city will like explode. And I, I honestly, I can't wait to see something like that. So thanks everybody. And thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. And DC is a place that we're just waiting for a winner. Like, I mean, I feel like if the wizards were just like, let's just say they were a 50 win team and that could be a 50 win three seed or a 50 win four seed. It doesn't mean you're the best team in the conference or anything. This, this city would, would explode. Like you said, just to have a high level competent team, that doesn't mean you're a championship contender necessarily, but just a team that's enjoyable, that competes hard and that has guys that really care about, 
like care about winning every night. Like that goes a long way with fans. And I think like you and I are on the same wavelength as a fan of like, we're both realistic fans. And I think that like, I pride myself as like a person that feels like I know basketball and being objective about everything, like even my own favorite team. So I feel like I can give you an objective opinion about Bradley Beal, like, and not have that attachment of like, oh, he plays for my favorite team. I'm just going to tell you how it is. And I think that when you look at the team, you want to look at it objectively and also as a fan, and you want to be able to be like objectively, like we have a, a team that goes out there and gives a shit every night. And like, that's been, that's been enjoyable. And I think you can't argue that. And that's why when they have games like the Hornets game or the loss in Miami, I'm not mad about it because mm-hmm. it's like, we're getting more nights than not of yeah. them really playing their asses off win or lose. And that's all you can ask for in my opinion. Yeah. They're not, they're not giving up like 40 point nights to guys that are like eight men on bad teams. It's, you know, LaMelo ball will be an all-star this year. Terry Rozier yeah. has like a puncher's chance at making an all-star game potentially like, you know, that's, they're not scrubs. Um, so I'm totally with you. All right. Just to close this out here, they play tonight against the three and 16 Pelicans Friday against the six and 11 thunder. And then back to back, obviously going right the, the very next night against the 10 and seven Mavericks on Saturday. So if you have to predict, uh, you know, what, what's your guess on how they kind of break out over those three games? Give me the second game again. You said Pelicans. What was it? Thunder. Thunder. Okay. Right. Uh, I think they'll win two of the three and the two being the first two. So Thunder Pelicans. And I think they'll lose to the Mavericks. The Mavericks just won last night against the Clippers. I think that I'm not a big Jason Kidd fan in terms of coaching, but I think Porzingis is really coming around. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, you know, I think that uh, him and Doncic have uh, made a more con- concerted effort to have chemistry, <laughs> yeah. at least to try to like get on the same page uh, as I don't think they tried to in the past years, because nope. I think they realize that they're kind of tied to each other at this point. No one's taking Porzingis off their hands right now. Um, anyway, I'm, that's a long way of saying, I just think that they're going to, that they're a really good team um, and really good. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm exaggerating. They're a good team. And I think that that will be a, a tougher, a tougher uh, matchup for the Wizards. So I'll say two, two of the three. I think, you ha- I think you have to get out of here winning two of those three. I don't even Agreed. know that it really matters which two of the three. Like old Wizards, it would have been lose to the Pelicans, barely beat the Thunder, but somehow beat the Mavericks. <laughs> You're I, right about that. You're I, right about I, that. I'm with you. I, I tend to think that that's probably the toughest of the three. Uh, and Doncic really hasn't even been like that great overall to start the season and right. probably starting to trend in the right direction. So if you're going to steal one against them, this might be the time to do it. If there's a way to get out of there three and oh, I mean, that's huge. And I think everybody would be like going nuts again, uh, you know, about about this team and its trajectory if, you know, all of a sudden they're 14 and six. But we'll, well take there's, two no and one. there's no excuse to lose to the first two teams. Like there's no excuse to lose to the Pelicans uh, that don't have Zion. There's no in their three and 16 or whatever they are. There's no excuse to lose to the Thunder. Um, who knows if SGA even plays that game because he's right. has some type of injury. He's like, out for tonight for sure. So maybe yeah, by so, Friday, who knows? Exactly. So there's no that would be unacceptable to me. Like if they lost either of those games, um, the Mavericks, I could totally understand. They have two all-star caliber players on their team. Sure. They have Luca, who's a top five player. Like that that loss could easily happen. But the other two, I would I'd be mad about. Like I'd feel like that would that was old Wizards. There's no shame in this is another thing. I'm gonna say this real quick. There's no shame in losing to the Hornets. Okay, I know we sure. lost twice to them. 
the Hornets are a good team. Are they a yeah. great team? No, but you're going to lose to good teams. Like LaMelo Ball is an all-star. Terry Rozier, like you said, puncher's chance to being an all-star at some point. They have Miles Bridges, who's the probably the most improved player this year. Yeah, on the other side of Tyler Hero, maybe. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. Like, people get so up in arms about uh, like these losses. Now look, they're frustrating sometimes when you sure. drop the rope and you take an L, like I get it. I get frustrated too, but the team is playing hard. The team's competitive. You can't lose to the Pelicans in the, um, that's rough <laughs> in the, in the thunder. But uh, so, you know, losing to the maps, there's no shame in that. As long as they're not getting ran off the floor, you know, uh, I think it just comes with the territory. Wholeheartedly agree. Let's see where uh, where we end up after this. I, I don't know. Who knows? It could get squirrely. It's always weird around the holidays for guys and stuff too. There's a lot of extra travel involved for people who want to sneak home and see the family for a day or whatever. So, yeah. uh, Ryan, where can people find you? Give us the handles, all that good stuff. Yeah, well, my podcast is on the hiatus, as you know, Matt. I just had a child, so congratulations. I, I, thank you. Yeah, my pod is uh, just kind of on a hiatus right now, but. At Ryan B. Oliver on Twitter. At some point, I will get back to the Hooping with Row podcast. Uh, but for now, you guys got to check out you know, Matt's podcast. You're obviously here. It's a great podcast, Matt. I always appreciate you. So I'm thankful for you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I appreciate your friendship. You've always been supportive of me. Uh, you know, whether it's podcasting or personal, you've always been you know good to me. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah, right back at you. I, you know, obviously this will come out sometime on Wednesday for folks, but. Uh, you know, this is not an inconsequential ask to ask a new dad to take time right before Thanksgiving, an hour out of his time to, to do this. So I'm really grateful for you um, making time for it. Yeah, the real MVP is is, is my wife. <laughs> so I won't, I won't even take credit. But uh, I, no matter, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah, give her a pat on the back for me. We really appreciate that. Congrats uh, to you guys both on on the real off the court success there. So everybody. It's been another Believe in Wizards, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, hopefully we'll have more wins to talk about a week from now. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.